When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's episode where we'll be talking about Hall of Fame voting, a change in MLB jersey rules, and our book club. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast. I am Brad, and as always, I'm joined by our fearless leader, Brig. How are you this fine day, Brig? It's fine day, and I'm Brig. There you <laughs> yes. go. It's nice. Very fine day. He is indeed Brig, in case you didn't notice. Brig is our Out co-host. Here. He's here. <laughs> yeah, it's good. How's your day? How are you doing? It, oh, my gosh. It's like right now, here it is a little after 9 o'clock, and I have had a full day already. Yeah. 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 That's what happens when the wife goes out of town. Right. Is that by the time kids go to school, it's been a full day, and man... When one of them doesn't want to go and the other one's standing at the door because he's going to be late, and that is a big to-do. Anyway, all right, enough of that. Let's get into things today. We have, um, I was actually surprised how much there was because it didn't seem like there was, and then I got going, and mostly Hall of Fame stuff, right? Okay, because I didn't think there was anything to talk about, and then I get here and you're like, oh, yeah, all this stuff. I'm like, what? Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. So first things this first. This morning, I'm like, what is there to talk about? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we don't have a show. I'm like, we do, though. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so there was one guy voted into the Hall of Fame based on the Baseball Writers Association of America voting, and it was the one and only Scott Rowland. Yeah. Uh, he last year got 10.2% of the votes, and this year he got a little over 75%. 75% is the threshold. So he yep. is in. Nobody else got in. Brig. How do you feel about Scott Rowland being the only guy getting in? The the so my immediate response is that I love this trend of one guy classes. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm like, yeah. let's keep it exclusive, right? It feels when you do it this way, it just feels more exclusive, and it it adds more pageantry and and more mysticism around it, and it's it's the way it should be, I think. Yeah, it does make it does make it feel like a way more exclusive club, right? Yeah. I just don't know that he was necessarily the one guy who should have gotten right. in. <laughs> That's the only issue I have. <laughs> I agree with you. Because he's okay, a seven-time all-star, but those those all-star appearances stretch from 2002 all the way up to 2011. Yeah. In his age He did win season. rookie of the year and he, he did was win in the rookie 2006 of the year. World Series. Right, yeah, yeah. Eight-time Golden Glove and a Silver Slugger. But here's what catches my attention is his career war is 70.1. And I know that we go back and forth on how much war really should be taken into account. Uh But it seems to be a big factor in the voting as of the last handful of years. I think so, so, because you've got guys who are big analytical guys, big statistical guys coming in and voting now, right? That's what I'm saying. That kind of the new wave, the younger wave of voters... I feel like they're really leaning on war and some of these other saber metrics to give them an idea of who they want to vote in. So I think that's what tipped the scales with Scott. I think that's what it 
that's what it was. I think it is, and I think on that same vein, I feel like um, Colorado has really done Todd Helton dirty, which is a shame. Yeah, because he was he was a great player. I feel like he was better than Scott Rowland. He deserves to be in more than Scott Rowland does. But they like, well, no, he played in Colorado, so his numbers are going to be played. It's like, well, then, okay, then look at his road numbers. Right. Look at yeah. the role he played on his teams. That he was yeah. the leader of that team for how long? Yeah. Right. Five, I think so. Todd Helton. It's really frustrating. Todd Helton's a five-time All-Star, three Gold Gloves, four Silver Sluggles, Sluggers, Sluggles. Let's call it Sluggles. Um, he won a batting title. His career war sixty-one point eight overall. They both had seventeen-year careers, and he mm-hmm. finished number two in Rookie of the Year voting. Todd did. Was it to Scott Rowland? Uh, ooh, good question. Let me see. That would have been nineteen ninety-eight. I'll tell you right now. Uh, I think no, it was. they're oh, one no. year apart. Oh, uh, Scott won it in '97. That would have been crazy. That would have like, been oh, crazy. Man, runner up again to Scott, dude. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's a storyline, <laughs> but no, not so much. Oh. But still, okay. Like I said, though, his whole career in Colorado in in yeah. 2000, he led the league in hits, RBIs, batting average of 372. Yeah. OPS 1.162 total bases 405. Yeah. I know that's only one year, but still, like he had a pretty good five year peak there and then was consistently one of the better players on a Colorado team the rest of his career. So I don't know. Totally. I feel like five year peak long enough, though. That's the question because I'm looking at Scott Rowland's numbers and he never led the league in any single statistic of the major statistics outside of his rookie of the year voting. And his, so, he didn't lead the league in any of those numbers that year either, other than he won the rookie of the year. But well, he's got it. a 281 lifetime batting average, too. And I know the right. batting average is like, like we said, like the old average. Helton was 316. But here's the thing Scott Rowland, to me, like looking, looking at his baseball reference page, to me, feels like somebody who is a Hall of Very Good. Mm hmm. Consistent over the course of his 17-year career, right? The fact that he was able to come back and get two more all-star appearances right at the very end of his career, very good to me. I don't know. Because I don't think that he was consistent in those years in Toronto, his first year in Cincinnati. And it took him a while to get to his peak. I don't think that his peak was necessarily from 02 to 11, right? That he probably did one of these camel hump things, you know? Yeah, yeah. But... Anyway, so I, I don't disagree with you um, at all, but I don't know that Todd Helton deserves to be a, a, assessed above the very good club either. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe there shouldn't have been anybody this year. It, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. But I, I, it wouldn't have bothered me. It wouldn't have bothered, would it have bothered you. No. no, it wouldn't have. And I think we talked about that before. That Todd Helton, to me, was the only guy. But if he didn't get in, I wasn't going to be upset. I'm a little bit upset now just because Scott Rowland did get in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but anyway, um, so here were some other notable vote getters. Helton, speaking of which, got 72.2% of the vote. He's like right there. He's he right there. Right there. Yeah. Carlos Beltran got 46.5% despite all the science stealing stuff. Because he's a Hall That's of Fame player. One. Right? So, oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years of the Hall of Fame voting. I think we'll keep track of that. A-Rod actually got 66% on his last year on the ballot. 
Andrew right. Jones got 58.1%. He's had a steady increase every year. This is his sixth year on the ballot. I think eventually he gets in. I bet you're right. And everybody, so who did I hear from? There's a there's a video going around right now where one of his former players or opponents or something said, who's the best baseball player you ever saw? And he said, Andrew Jones. I think it was a pitcher. And oh, he was really? saying, like, the guy just knew where to be. And he would ask Andrew Jones, he'd be like, where do you want me to pitch him? He's like, what? Pitch him wherever you want, man. He's like, no, where do you want? Because the ball's going to go to you, man. So, like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was really a cool interview. That is cool. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then Gary Sheffield got 55% of the vote. I don't know that he's necessarily going to ever get in. Another Hall. He made some I think- spectacular plays. I, His highlight say, reel is so cool. I say he's but it's not good enough. Highlights. <laughs> it, it might not be. I mean, you can't base it on right. um, a highlight reel, but... Yeah. I'm I'm wondering about Carlos Beltran and his PED use. Mm, I don't think there was any. I think it's all science healing related. I, I, yeah, but I feel like we keep having to ask this question. Why does my brain Carlos. think Carlos Beltran has been pop, has popped hot? I think just because of the science stealing stuff that he's that hit now his legacy is tainted. So like I think automatically when we think of tainted legacy, we go to PEDs, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so maybe I think, that, I think that's maybe that's it. But, but uh, there yeah, is one I, other guy getting I, into the hall this year, and it is thanks to the Culture Club. It is Fred McGriff. Yeah, I said before that I didn't think he was going to get in, but I'm absolutely okay with him getting in. I loved, I loved the Crime Dog growing up. Totally, big time. I think um, everybody did. Yeah. Yep. Enough said. He's he's got a pretty compelling argument as well. But the Culture Club saved his butt, and that's pretty cool. Yep. Good for him. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff. All right. Agreed. We have the incoming um, nominees for 2024. It's, a, it's an interesting list, I think. Um, yeah. Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, Chase Utley, David Wright, Matt Holliday. Maybe he'll touch home plate on the way. Adrian Gonzalez, <laughs> Jose Batista, Jose Reyes, Victor Martinez, Bartolo Colon, Big Sexy. Big Sexy! James Shields, Brandon Phillips, Giovanni Gallardo, Doug Fister, and Ryan Madsen. If Doug Fister doesn't get in the Hall of Fame, it is a it is a shame. It's just a travesty. No, I'm just care to explain yourself, Brad. <laughs> I don't. I'm like, why? Jokes heavily laid with sarcasm. <laughs> Doug Fister was a good pitcher, but not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I was going to say that doesn't make any sense to me. Who of this list, though, do you see getting in? First ballot, um, I'm next year. I'm looking up something right now. Okay. I want to be sure. The first guy I have, Adrian Beltre is getting in for sure. Yeah, I think that's true. If no I other reason, then up. everybody loves him. And I'm going to forgive um, him for all those years in Seattle. And yeah. by that, I mean there wasn't very many, but I'll forgive him for the years in Seattle. Uh, I'll, bet think Matt Holiday, I'll bet Matt Holiday makes it in, but he's not going to be in the first round. The first. I don't think yeah, Matt Holiday makes it in. First ballot. You don't think he'll make it in touch, at all? I think he touches home plate before he makes it in the, home, in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. What about Jose Bautista, though? He's the one I keep. I have to look up. Uh, that one's tough, really. Having one of the greatest highlights in the history of baseball, I think, will Ever. help him some. Um, I don't know if his peak was long enough, though. You know? That's, yeah, that's what I'm looking up right now. So, he, why there's you look no that up real PED. Quick. 
relationship. Right. I know. And we were all, I remember we were all like, dude, he's got to be. He's got to be. He's got to be. But he never tested hot, like you said. And he continued to hit home runs in Toronto like it was nobody's business. Yeah. So I don't know. Real quick, while you're looking that up, I want to go back to Adrian Beltre. What team do you think he goes in with? Is he a Ranger or is he a Red Sox? Oh, that's a really great question. I'm going to say the Rangers. It's got to be the Rangers. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because he, uh, I think I feel like that's when he really made his mark on the league was as a ranger. Yeah, I think so. Like too. when everybody knew what he was doing, but well, he, did, he was kind of like the guy in Texas too. He like, was, yeah, like one yeah, of the only ones dude. that was worth even watching. Yes, most definitely for sure. Um, what? Okay, while you're still looking, Joe Mauer, does he get in? Tough. It's tough. I don't know. I don't think he gets in first ballot. No, I don't think so. But I think he gets in. I think he gets in. Give him like five years. I think he gets in. Joe Maurer, catcher in first base, MVP award, six-time All-Star, three gold glove, five silver slugger, three batting titles, career war 55.2. Yeah, he's going to get in. He led the league in average in one, two, three seasons. Um, Slugging one season, that's when he won the MVP. Well, the other thing with Joe Maurer... I feel like Joe Maurer was like the revolution of the tall catcher. Yeah. He started it. Yeah. That makes like, sense. Of, like, not just like a big dude, but like a big dude like behind a, home plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I, back I to Bautista, looking closer, it's going to be tough to get him in. Yeah. He might have to wait till the culture club. Just looking at this. Six-time All-Star, three silver sluggers, that's it. As far as awards, thirty six point seven career WAR for Bautista. Yeah, I don't know. He led the league in home runs in two thousand ten and eleven, with fifty four and forty three. Um, that's it, though. Hmm. So I don't. I don't know, man. That's going to be. I don't think. Looking at these numbers, greatest of all time. Nope. No, I don't think so. I don't no. think so. And then the other guys on the list, like I don't think Chase Utley gets in. David mm-hmm. Wright. If he had played longer, yes. But yeah, because his but career shut, got short, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's your 2024 uh, Hall of Fame ballot newcomers. What about Bartolo? Hey. No. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no. It's too bad, like, too. It is, because he is a beloved figure and and has a beloved figure. And <laughs> if it wasn't for two steroid like two positive steroid tests, yeah. then probably he probably would but, get in. Yeah. Because yeah, listen but he to also this. wouldn't have had the long career that he did. That's true. Never mind. Let's move on. You're absolutely right. That's you said everything I was going to say. Okay. Anyway. All right. So there Love was something it. that interesting that came out this weekend. Major League Baseball is limiting teams to four jerseys this year, just four, which includes, oddly enough, spring training jerseys. I don't know why. You would yeah. think that Major League Baseball would be like, it's a novelty jersey. Just sell it. Just sell it. It's fine. Yeah. Nobody wears their spring tra- spring training jerseys come game one. They go away. And maybe that's what Major League Baseball wants. Is they're just like, they're just taking up space. Just get rid of them. Well, who's I space? I don't know. Who's space? Why is Major League Baseball looking at the facilities and saying, these, these closets are too full? <laughs> <laughs> You need to put more baseballs in those closets. What you need yeah, to do. What we need to do. We, can we put a seat here? 
Is that has that possible? I don't know why they care about how the facility's storage is managed. Like it doesn't make any either. sense. I don't know. But so they're limiting to four four jerseys. We saw this first with the Seattle Mariners announcing that they're getting rid of gray. Yeah. And I am absolutely enthusiastic. Like I I am so excited about this. I'm enthralled yeah, with you this. You are. Yeah. Because I of have two all... opinions. Okay, hold on. Let me share this real quick. Because of share all it. the of all the jerseys the Mariners have between regular white, gray, navy, teal, uh, the they call them the faux back, the creams on Sundays with the mm-hmm. yellow and royal, and then the light blue uh, spring training jersey. The gray to me is the weakest, the absolute weakest of the bunch. Get rid of it. And then they're also getting rid of the light blue spring training jersey, which is fine. I'll live. I like it, but I way prefer the teal and the navy over it. So mm-hmm. the decision came down. They're going to be wearing Navy as their primary road uniform. If a team decides to wear Navy, like if the Red Sox want to wear their Navy jerseys, the Mariners will wear, will wear teal instead. Yeah. They're keeping gray that pants. Northwest green. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I love it. I, I'm super excited about this. Go ahead, Brig. Well, the other thing is the City Connect jerseys are the acceptable fifth jersey. So you don't have to consider your City Connect jersey as one of the four. It does get tacked on in addition if you have it. So let's just get that piece of news out of the way. Right. Yeah, Um, you're right, because that's a mandate coming down from the league. Yeah. So, okay. Aside from me wondering, like, what's the actual motivation behind this, which is a whole rabbit hole, and I will never get answers for, I'm sure, Um, because there's not, like, a textile problem. I don't think it's (laughs) – is it a – is it a manufacturing issue? Is Nike Supply having workforce or labor issues? I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, but it's not a budget problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I keep trying to think like outside the practical application of like what's going on. But to me, I have I have two opinions. The first is what a travesty, right? Because I'm I have that old school side of me that's romanticizing everything. And I know I do that. So my knee-jerk reaction is to be absolutely like scorned. But then the other side of me thinks this is the greatest thing ever, but not for the reasons you'll think. Okay. You're thinking this is the greatest thing ever because the road jerseys, the gray roads are the weakest and they're dumb and you can do better and put on them. Not all of them. Product. Not all of them. Seattle's gray is the weakest there right, are some but I'm great gray jerseys out there a lot of people are going to agree with you that their okay. team just ditch the road grays and be done with it so if from a pr perspective i think major league baseball is like this is going to be fine right because that's the i'll bet that's what they a lot of teams will do here's what i say though i'm thrilled about this because the teams like the yankees and the red Sox will never ever ditch their road grays they're too enmeshed in the everything right the whole culture and the whole the majesty of the franchise and everything which means that when we that that i actually get what i want on a more heightened scale that because i'm a yankees fan i get the tradition i get to keep all of the things about why i love that romanticized history history and y'all franchise teams can do whatever you want i don't care what you do Right. Me and my old school teams can stay old school and it's going to be so I get what I want. You get what you want. I think it's going to be fine. Yeah. No, I I think I think you're spot on with that. And one of the things, too, is that like 
one of the arguments I've heard is like, it, it's overcomplicated. Just keep it with white and gray. It's like, no, we have color TVs now. We don't need to keep it simple. We can sure. make it as complicated as we want. We don't need to go with pajama colored green pants. But mm-hmm. we can certainly mix up the tops because I think that's a great way to go. I think, honestly, I think a colored top with a white or gray pant is a perfect contrast for baseball. Yeah, and I think and probably because that's what I grew up. You with. can have that opinion. All the, oh, it's fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> me, white on white, cream on cream, gray on gray, it's fabulous. Yeah, no, it is. It is great. Um, and I think that, and that's, I think you're spot on though with the Yankees though with the grays, like the Yankee grays. It's iconic. You can't get rid of that. You cannot get rid of the Boston gray, right? No, like there's certain things you can't get away. rid of. You got to keep it around forever. But Boston has come into the 21st century with alternate red and blue and green. That's right. They wear green during spring training on St. Patty's Day. Yeah, I think Cubs so, do too, right? I think so. But yeah, I think it's it's awesome. So yeah, I'm not going to suffer at all. It's all you other clowns out there wondering where I'm not suffering at all because I think exactly. it's great. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. They just need to yeah. start working away from that compass rose s into something a little more updated. That's not 20 years old now. 30 years. Here's old. the thing. Oh my gosh, it's 30 years old. That's amazing. Here's the thing. The last thing I want to say about the uniform is that I think this will start or maybe be another milestone in an era. And we're going to look back in 20 years, 30 years and go, oh, I remember when they did that. And whatever changes come about because of it or whatever we revert back to, however this evolves, we're going to remember this point in time because I think it'll be a phase of some kind. That's what I think. Yeah, I think you're right. It'll be one of those things where it's like, like as a Mariners fan, oh, they were wearing their grays, so it had to be before twenty twenty three. Exactly. So yeah, that, yeah, like that. That's cool. All right, there were some awards awarded this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the hardware itself, the awards are already awarded, but the hardware was given out. But apparently, the Cy Young trophies were a joke. They were rife with errors. They misspelled "valuable" and spelled <laughs> it as "valuable." No A. Yeah. No A. We're missing the second A. Uh, they both said that they were awarded to Don Newcomb, the most valuable, no A, pitcher, 1956. So cool. <laughs> like, I'm wondering, like, Greg, do you think this is this a big deal or not? Uh, well, I, I'm still undecided I because they're going to fix it. This is not just right. Like, they're not going to put those up on their wall. No, it's, it's no. Um, so I don't think it's a huge problem. I think that the the problem I have with it is that like they let it get out that they made this mistake. Yes, that nobody was like, "Hey, uh, yeah. we made a mistake. Let's let's hold it off just for a little bit." Instead of being like, "Yeah, take the picture. It's fine. Nobody will yeah. notice." That's my issue with the it. It's because it's just bad PR and baseball needs less bad PR. Yeah. And that's it. <clears throat> yeah. So, well, and I was I was actually surprised that they did that this weekend because typically they give those awards the, like the first home game. Yeah. Like the home opener. So mm. I thought that was strange because and I don't know if they're still planning on doing that, you know, doing like a ceremony or whatever. Mhm. But I've been I've been in a home opener. I've been on an opening day where they gave the players their gold gloves and silver sluggers and everything. And it's cool. It's fun yeah. to be there for that. And sure. if the fans are missing out on that, I think that's a big bad mistake. 
by baseball. Yep. There you go. That's so. the real important part. Yep. Yeah. All mm. right. The Astros, the Houston Astros have replaced James Glick, not to be confused with Jiminy Glick, or I guess James Click, not to be confused with Jiminy Glick. I just did confuse him. You did. You, well done. Yes. Nice. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> they hired Dana Brown as their new general manager. He spent the last four seasons as a vice president of scouting for the Braves. He's also been with the Blue Jays, Nats, and Pirates. Um, I think this is an interesting hire because I don't know that he has had like a sweeping influence across any of the organizations he's been with. This feels like an experience hire, right? That like, like if somebody, it, what's that? Like an internship? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but like, they're like, this guy's been in baseball for a while. We can bring him in. He knows what he's doing. Rather than being like, this guy had a sweeping influence through the Blue Jays organization is the reason they're competitive every year. The Nats, right. when they won that World Series, he was the guy whose influence was felt in the scouting room. The Pirates, that year they made the playoffs, it was because <clears throat> of Dana Brown. I doubt that that's the case. Yeah, I'm not saying you've got to have like some monumental hire for your general manager, especially with a team that's as well run as the Astros. But on the other hand, though, if you bring in a guy who doesn't know what he's doing, you can crash a franchise for a decade, even if he's only there for three years. Or, Brad, do you bring in a guy who doesn't know what he's doing so that the puppet masters can continue to run the well-oiled machine and have somebody that they don't have to worry about getting in the way? I hadn't thought of that. That's well, the first so, thing that came to mind is that they can maybe this is somebody that they can push around and bully into keeping things the way they want it. Could be. But this, this is my only thing with it is that the Mariners brought in Jack Zarensic. We still talk about the Jack Z years and everybody has a little bit of PTSD. And every time <laughs> it's always, you know, yeah. and yeah. so <laughs> he legitimately Brig crashed the franchise for a decade. Right. He came in and he's like, we're going to be analytical focused and we're going to go by the numbers. We're going to bring the fences in because it's a mental thing with the with the players. We'll bring it in five feet. Does not that big of a deal. Just enough that they can get over the hurdle. They'll hit more home runs. They didn't. They Everybody lost. else did. Everybody else did. Exactly. They had just like some of the worst years that the Mariners have had in a very long time. Signed Robbie Cano to... A terrible contract that nobody else was even bidding on, bidding against themselves. They let yeah. Jay-Z push him around in the negotiating room. And then finally, the, the owner fired him and was like, we want somebody who's not learning on the job because that's what Jack Z was doing. I wonder if mm. – I'm not saying Dana Brown is learning on the job, but he's never been a GM before. He's been a scout, which means that he knows what he's looking for in guys. But putting together a team and managing all the finances, I feel like is is a really big deal. Maybe the maybe the Astros have a really strong team president who can like take care of that stuff for him, right? But I don't know. It's a really interesting hire, and honestly, if it crashes the Astros for the next ten ten years, I'll be fine with them. Right? <laughs> yeah, you'll be pretty happy. Yeah, until yeah. some radical realignment comes out. Right? <laughs> You're happy with the Astros being in trouble for sure. Exactly right. Yeah, because then it opens up the division again. Right. And that's what we want. But speaking yeah. of puppet masters and owners and things doing and people doing their things, the Rockies owner Dick Monfort does not like the way the Padres have been constructing their roster. Mm -hmm. And what this means is that he is jealous that they have a bunch of money to throw around. 
<laughs> the way that they have and building this team the way that they have been doing because the Padres are supposed to have the third highest payroll this season with $251 million. Yeah. The Rockies are, are notoriously cheap. Um, and this is what he said about it. He said, that puts a lot of pressure on us, but it's not just the Padres, it's the Mets, it's the Phillies. This has been an interesting year. It's like, dude, if you got money, you got to spend it. Yeah. That's the expectation. Yep. Right. Well, and Rockies fans show up to ball games. Big time, yes. So you know it's not a gate problem. And if they're going to the stadiums, they're eating and they're drinking beer and they're buying souvenirs and they're doing all the things. So mm-hmm. I don't know what. And they're connected. Don't they have their own network with Root or? Uh, oh, are they like on altitude? Maybe, but I think they're heavily tied into. It's if it's not their own network, then they're They've probably not pulling local. in. Yeah, it's local. Yeah, they're getting a lot of that local stuff. It's one hundred percent theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. It. It's huh. strange. Um, I think it's interesting when owners complain about others or other owners spending money. Because <laughs> like he's putting pressure on me to spend my money. I don't want to spend my money. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I which is the this is an interesting thing about what Steve Cohen is doing, is it's it's kind of smoking out everybody else because they're either gonna they're either going to play ball or they're not. And the disparity will show itself one way or another. Yeah. So it's it's interesting that these kind of comments come out because it's kind of adding seasoning to the whole situation. It is. And <clears throat> and we'll actually talk about that more in a little bit, too. Yeah. Uh, with the book club stuff. But anyway, I just thought that was funny that he's complaining about the Padres spending money <laughs> because they're a division rival. But yeah, All right, last thing here. We have... Uh, World Baseball Classic roster update, uh, update specifically with Cuba. Yoan Mancata, Luis Robert, Yoanis Cespedes, Rowanis Elias will all play for Cuba. Big time. I saw the list. There are a couple more minor leaguers who are going to be playing for them, and then it, the rest of the roster is going to be filled out by uh, Cuban amateur players. But I think that's awesome. That'll be fun to have those guys yeah. in the World Baseball Classic. I'm, I'm surprised that... Uh, Yasiel Puig is not on the list yet. I was going to say the same thing. Well, and there are some others that I that I'm surprised not to see, but we'll, you know, maybe they will. Maybe eventually. We're getting down to the time though. It's time. Yeah, just a few weeks away. Very yeah, exciting. we don't have much we don't have much left. They're going to yeah. have to start working oh, working out together. Nasty Nestor apparently has agreed to pitch for the US. You sent me True that Instagram enough. post is yep. his flag clad gamer glove. That's awesome. It's going to be fun. It's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a really good time. I can't wait to come out and watch. It's going to be so good. Yeah, it's gonna We're going to stomp Great Britain. Like, let's be honest. If it's we don't be so much stomp too. Great Britain, I'll be so like, I will be so confused. Here's the thing. Do you, do you trot out your B team? And let them play five, six innings and see how things go. Or do you just go out there and announce your presence with authority from the beginning? I Throw think your ace. You just, yeah. Let everybody just, go yard at least once. You just unload every cannon you have. I think you do that first game for sure. You have yeah. to, especially against, speaking of cannons, you got to do it against Great Britain. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you get five <laughs> Full or six broadside. Yeah, you go. You get your five, five, six innings in and then you march out your B team. There you go. You get you round yeah. out the experience. I don't think you treat it quite like the all-star game, but I think something more more like the all-star game as far as rotations and position changes than a regular season game for sure. Yeah. 
I think you're right. Yep, for sure. All right, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get in, get more into Fairball as part of our Baseball Together book club. All right, baseball family, welcome back to part two of our book club. For those of you that may be joining us just now, we're reading Fair Ball by Bob Costas. It's a fan's case for baseball. And we got into chapters uh, four, five, and six this past couple of weeks. And there's a there's a number of things going on here that I found really interesting. But ultimately, let's just jump through chapter four really quick. What he's advocating for in, in chapter four, say that five times fast, is revenue sharing program, right? Bob Costas is saying that the economic system as it was built in 1999 is broken and that they're create it was creating and would continue to create a competitive imbalance, which is something we've talked about a billion times on this podcast and something we will probably continue to talk about as the competitive imbalance remains unchecked wouldn't you say that's still the case brad no i would not actually outstanding (laughs) i've been thinking a lot about this last few days we'll get into it in a minute but go ahead and keep going so so what he's saying is he's it's he's he makes some interesting comparisons between major league baseball the national football league and the nba the national basketball association and i thought the one that was the most compelling uh, comparison to the NBA was saying that he he actually highlights Sacramento, Portland, Indianapolis, and Salt Lake City, and he says that it's laughable to consider a major league baseball team being successful in any of those markets. Do you agree with that, Brad? I actually do absolutely agree with that. Um, I honestly think that in today's um, sports economic environment, I don't think that an NBA team would actually be put in Salt Lake or in Portland or in Sacramento for that matter, that those teams are only there because they've been there and they're established that nobody in their right mind would bring a team into those places today in today's environment. Yeah. And it's not just, it's not so much just a baseball team in those places. It's sports in general. Like I've seen people on Facebook being like, Oh, because you and I both have, we have family and connections in Utah and, and people are like, Oh, we need to bring, Major League Baseball to Utah, bring it to Salt Lake. I'm like, no, it would fail. Wouldn't even last miserably, and It'd immediately be worse than the pilots. Yeah. So well, it, and it shocks me that the Real Salt Lake Major League Soccer is at all successful. Like, at see, all. I think I, that I'm, I think the reason that, that is successful is because it's a smaller league that they mm-hmm. got in early on, relatively early on in the league, right? Yep. They weren't able to establish. If MLS gets as big as even the NHL or uh, Major League Baseball or the NBA, we won't even compare it to the NFL just because it's a monster. But yeah. if it were to get as big as the NHL or Major League Baseball, that the only reason Real Salt Lake will be able to stay viable is because it's established. It's they wouldn't be able to expand to Salt Lake because of the same reason. There's yeah. there's getting to be more and more corporate right? Corporate yeah. sponsorship opportunities there to support those teams. For sure. But at the same time, like how many of those companies actually want to buy into those boxes to help yeah. support the team? Because the, the box seating is a huge part of the revenue. And we're, we're going to get into that a little bit because he, he, he breaks it down into three categories. Bob Costas does. He's, he's talking about the gate as a revenue source, which includes everything from Everything involving a ticket, 
doesn't matter what what level of seating. It doesn't matter where you are in the stadium. Anything involving a ticket to include the executive boxes and some of the more franchise or some of the, the, the higher end suites and the cushy seats behind home plate, stuff like that all counts as gate. Okay. And then he's talking about broadcast revenues as part two. That's national TV contracts and local contracts, as well as MLB licensed merchandise that is not sold in the stadium. He's counting among those. And then stadium revenue itself. So stadium revenue is anything generated when folks are at the ballpark. So he says this is concessions, on the ground souvenir buying, etc. Face paint for the kid if there's a cost associated, things like that. So all of that is, those are the three major revenue streams that he discusses. And he does, since this was pre-internet, he does discuss, which I thought was astonishing. I'm listening and reading, you know, at different points. And I'm like, whoa, he even mentions. And once the internet gets going, just you wait, because that's going to be another part of this revenue stream that the broadcasters are going to have to deal with. And I was like, holy crap. (laughs) So anyway, it was really interesting. So the gate broadcast revenues and stadium revenues. Brad, which one do you think is the most important for these teams and where where they, where do they have the tightest chokehold? What do you mean tightest chokehold as far as like like the owners do not want to just they just don't want to let go. Oh, um probably I, I would say the gate, but for some of those places it's not that big. But it's probably going to be the the TV rights because yeah. that is huge. It's it is huge. huge. Like the Mariners get a hundred million dollars from Root Sports every year. Exactly, that's a lot of money. And they are sharing, as of right now, they are sharing the gates with the away team, right? No, he said that they changed that in the ninety five uh, in the ninety five collective bargaining agreement. That it used to be eighty twenty, and then they got yeah. rid of it. Now it's a hundred percent for the teams. Hundred percent the home team. Yeah, and this is the thing is that he talks about the revenue sharing with these things and it makes it makes perfect sense cuz he's like you cannot play a game unless you have another major league team to play with. Right? right? Like yes. the Yankees playing an inter-squad scrimmage are not going to get that same draw like people like you and I we would definitely go to that game just because it's fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like we go to spring training games because it's fun. Yeah. But the games have no meaning. It's just we we want to get our fix for baseball. We want to get out in the sun. We want to eat sunflower seeds and walk around those tiny little stadiums and get close to the game. But if yeah. they were to say in, in say, August, we're going to take a couple weeks off, but teams are still going to scrimmage in Arizona and Florida. Nobody would go. No. No, no. chance. I don't care if Florida – I don't care if Arizona's not 120 degrees in August. Right. Nobody's going to those games. You're 100% right. But it's the draw of two major league teams. And so it makes sense to me to for him to be like, so you need to split those that revenue. You need to split the gate. I'm like, absolutely. You should be splitting the gate. And the N- NFL splits it 60-40 at the gate. They yeah. take all of the gate and they split it 60-40. And it helps that the NFL, they sell out probably 95% of their games because there's so few of them. Right. So, what is it, 16 games or something like 17 that? 17 games, games? 17? 17 games there you go. Yeah. But, so there's 17 games and Major League Baseball's sport in 162 <laughs> and they don't sell out every time right rarely I close like. yeah but when the yankees come to arizona or when the dodgers come to arizona oh, Ari- Phoenix, yeah 
The Dodgers and Phoenix is a big deal around here. The Dodgers and Phoenix is a huge deal, right? There are far yeah. more tickets sold when the Dodgers come than there are when they, I don't know, anybody else, probably. <laughs> when the Phillies were in town on a weeknight, there was nobody there. And I've seen the Cubs play there a couple of times, and there's mm. more, a lot more. of Cubs fans. Yeah. More. Yeah, there are certain teams that travel well, and I feel like you're going to get that everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, no, the Phillies playing in Arizona was not a big deal. And all. the reason I bring up the Yankees is because with this new model that they're going to start rolling out with lots of more, lots more interleague play, then you're we're going to find out what that looks like, right? And that'll be really interesting to see because the Yankees travel well, right? So, um, he goes on to explain in in chapter four all of the disparities of payroll. Obviously, payroll is directly lined and tied to revenue and he says that in 95 atlanta had the fourth highest payroll cleveland had the seventh highest and they were in the world series right 96 mm -hmm. yankees braves first and third payrolls 97 marlins fifth payroll indians third 98 the yankees in second place as far as payroll swept the padres with their 10th in payroll so he's arguing that the teams that make it to the World Series are always in the top 10 payroll across the league. And payroll is directly tied to revenue capabilities, right? right. So what Costas is arguing for is a revenue share that allows smaller market teams and even small to mid-market teams the opportunity to be competitive in their spending to bring in players and put up a fight so that they're not beginning the season with ne'er to any chance of success, which right. he then goes on to argue the fans can sense, right? And we are very capable as a fan base of saying, uh, excuse me, I'm not going to any of those games, right? Like we saw this in Baltimore in the 22 season, right? Baltimore, mm -hmm. until they started winning, there was nobody there. It was Chris and right. crickets. Same thing happened in Oakland. As the season progressed, we saw the, the team sold fewer and fewer tickets. Right. It doesn't matter who comes to play because I've seen New York play in Oakland and there were a boatload of Yankees fans mm -hmm. in Oakland. Way, way too many for yeah. <laughs> that far away. But if the but the the A's benefited from that series financially. Right. The Yankees yeah. not at all. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The ranking the Yankees are just like the traveling circus when it comes to for the sure. gate right now. Thank you. And it makes, like I said, it makes sense to, to share revenue. But this is my thing is that I don't, I feel like it's a fallacy to say that because you cannot build a winning team financially or because you cannot pay your team a bunch of money, like you cannot be successful. So here's the thing. This is while you're doing all this, I was, I was looking because I meant to do this earlier, but I forgot. So Major League Baseball has them when it comes to championships has the most parity of any league, any professional sports league among the big three in, yeah. in the U.S. between right. the NBA, M MLB, and NFL. MLB has had 16 different winners over the last, since 2001. Right. Okay. The NFL has had 13 different winners since 2001. Ooh. The NBA has only had eight. Oh. It's been the heat the Lakers, the Warriors, the Celtics, the Spurs, 
and then a couple more peppered in there, like the Raptors won one, and then uh, the Mavericks won one. Mm-hmm. That's seven. I can, that's seven right there, just off the top of my head. I can't think of the eighth one, but sure. like that's like the NBA. I'm saying I've been crying forever. Like the NBA has a salary cap figured out. No, the NBA does not have the salary cap figured out. <laughs> like they have re- like they have a revenue sharing plan across the league. Like they have a split with the players, saying like players get forty eight percent of the revenue, owners get fifty two percent of the revenue, or whatever it is. Like they they have all that. They have a salary floor. They have a salary cap. They have things to help keep players in there at their team to help them stay with the team that drafted them, develop That's them, right. everything like that. But it yeah. still does not work with league parity. The thing that works with league parity is financial parity, apparently. Because uh I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm getting ahead of myself, but I've been no, thinking about good. this a lot as I was reading this. That First off, one of the things I thought was funny is that Costas was like contradicting himself. With <laughs> in the first bit, chapter, yeah. he's complaining about um, about the Indians and the, and the Marlins in the World Series. Yeah, and then he's saying, "But you need to be able to get these teams in the in the World Series." Like, well, you don't want them, but well, so why are you arguing anyway? Yeah, but that's true. So there's that. But at the same time, though, what this financial disparity has done is it has forced teams to build teams the way they're meant to be. Right. Is that are there teams that are buying all the free agents? Of course, absolutely. The Yankees have done it since the beginning of time. The Pirates used to do it. That's why they have the name that they that they do. The Mets are right. doing it right now, right? Yeah. And apparently the Padres are doing it and the Rockies take umbrage with it. But <laughs> the teams that are winning World Series, the Royals won a World Series, and not only that, they appeared in back to back World Series with homegrown talent. The Astros have I don't want to say create a dynasty. But they've dominated the American League over the last six years with homegrown talent. Yeah. The Rays are notorious for using homegrown talent, not paying anybody. Right. They've <laughs> yeah. been contenders in the AL East, what arguably the most competitive division in Major League Baseball. Yep. For almost a decade now. Like you like it's funny that you know, on the surface, we all want the salary cap and we all want revenue sharing and to like level the playing field. But in reality, the thing that's leveling the playing field and making things more competitive is not having a salary cap, right. not having a level field uh, financially because it comes down to the teams that want to compete. The A's are not developing players, and they're not making a competitive team. They could easily, they could be the the rays of the West Coast. They could, they could be. They but were. They used to be. Mm-hmm. They used to be. They already did that. <laughs> so my question is to you, Brad – how do you incentivize these owners and these ownership groups, whether they're corporate or private, right? Ownership. How do you incentivize the people pulling the strings if it's not salary cap and it's not revenue sharing to build these teams competitively? What do you got to do? You would think that playoff shares would be what would, what would do it. Right. You would think, but I don't know. It's frustrating. It's weird because, there are, and I think you see it in every sport. There are owners who just don't care. They're just there to play with their toy, right? Just yeah. there to yeah, of course. Do the I thing. hate that, by the way. I do, I do too. Because you see it in the NBA, you see it in the NFL. But I don't know. You think that that getting into the playoffs, even and getting a playoff share, would be incentive enough for these owners to be like, yeah, yeah, you know, we'll we'll be competitive, but. I don't know, and I don't know if some of them just get jaded and they just are like, "Well, we can't pay our players, so, nah." And maybe they so just what need do better we care? marketing teams. Yeah, maybe they just need better marketing teams that can market the players that they have. 
Because it's it's definitely not as simple as Bob Costas is illustrating. And I know he's taking it section by section. Okay, let's talk about revenue sharing. That's step one. Okay, and then he gets into, okay, let's talk about player salaries. Because even in 99, he thought they were out of control. But he's turning over, thinking about oh, how yeah, they're going sure. right now. Yeah. Because what, in 99, he said that it was what, like, couple million a year he was rolling his eyes at yeah. <laughs> now the yeah. average annual value is in the 30s for yeah. the best superstars in the in the yeah. league so oh yeah i don't think that he had even gotten to arod's contract yet by the time mm-hmm. this book was written no no and that's what i'm saying so yeah because he talks about arod being precocious in seattle mm-hmm. yeah as a middle infielder. <laughs> right. And that's the thing that's funny too, that like, I, as I'm sitting here reading this, he's talking about, oh, the Mariners can't, couldn't afford to play, to pay Griffey and A-Rod. So Griffey got traded away and they're going to have to let A-Rod walk. Well, months after this book was published, literally months, the Mariners went on to win 116 games, games with a bunch of guys you didn't know who they were. Besides, yeah. besides Edgar Martinez. Right. You know, <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it's funny. That's that's one of the big things that I my big takeaway so far with this book is that it has not aged well. I don't feel like I agree. So the question is then, he keeps going back and saying, "I'm not an altruist. I'm not calling for these big socialist reforms. I'm not saying anything that would make a capitalist unhappy, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. All of these things, right? I'm not a romantic. I'm not. I'm not calling for some return to the old ways when it was, you know, when we were walking uphill both ways in the snow. He keeps saying <laughs> things like that. But, and then he keeps going and say and proposing things that kind of feel like he wants, he's contradicting himself. Yes, very much so. so. Okay, so the purity of, and I, th- I think his heart's in the right place as I read this book. Every time I turn around, I think, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. And on its face, at its face value, I don't disagree with him, right? Because yeah. the motivation for wanting to institute these changes makes a lot of sense. He's saying we can't have this disparity in what it what motivates teams to be successful. We can't uh-huh. have that. The, and this was way before tanking was even a thing. And he right. was already predicting it. He's saying we can't have fans showing up on opening day and realizing oh boy, my team is stands no chance and they don't even care, which yeah. has become a very common narrative across baseball fans, depending on the market you're in, right? Depending on the mm-hmm. team you root for. He saw that coming. So I think that's why I say his heart's in the right place and his motivation is pure. I just think the way he's arguing, going about fixing those maybe doesn't work under our new negotiative lenses. Like we can't do it that way. Right. Maybe we or, could have been 2000, but now it's not possible. Right. And one of the things too, that he talks about is, um, you know, we talked about splitting the TV money. There's yeah. way too much of it to go around now that a, they oh, shouldn't yeah. have to, and B, nobody's going to want to. Nobody's going to want it. That's a hundred percent accurate. Like I was looking at, so he had listed, um, all 30 teams that at the time of their TV deals, I think the Mariners were getting like $12 million a year for the yeah. deal. At the time. Yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, what a different time. But I was like, he was like, we just need, you just need to vote to, to get the, the teams to share their team TV money. And I looked at the top seven 
because you need 20, 23 out of 30 votes, right, to pass things as we learned from Samson. Those yep. top seven teams would never vote vote for that. They'd be all no. seven of them losing way too much money. Yeah. No yeah. chance. Well, and, 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 you know, means- and I get the like the way he frames it is like they just gotta get on board. It's like, yeah, they gotta get on board, but they're not going to because of how much money right. they'd be losing. <laughs> Yeah, well, and and the way the things have gone now, like every team who can, I should say, has their own network because they've mm-hmm. they've swallowed up all of the capabilities. They don't want to share anything, right? Yeah, yeah. The Mets, the Yankees, the Cubs, and the Cubs have had their own network for I mean, as long Whatever. as we've been alive, you yeah. know. And I don't know if I don't know if the um, <clears throat> If the Braves are still on Superstation or TBS or whatever it is now, because I don't have cable, right? But, I don't either. <laughs> you know, but things like that, it's it's a whole different world. And the reason they do that, like you said, is because then they don't have to share money with anybody, right? So yeah, I agree. I don't know. It's anyway. It's though. it's been pretty interesting to read this far into the book. I'm excited to see what comes next, um, because there's more to come. So. We're going to read chapters, let's see, seven, eight, and nine before the next one. Would we have that schedule for two weeks out, Brad? Yeah, let's do two weeks. Okay, seven, eight, and nine. We're going to read so chapter nine starts on 115. So that'll give us, uh, you know, about 50 or so pages. Okay. Sweet deal. Let's do it. But baseball family, let us know what you think. As always, jump in the in the mailbag, let us know, or comment on YouTube. We always see those. Yeah, um, those are, it's a good. Let's place. know what you're thinking about this book, or some of your ideas about the things that we've shared with you about what Bob Costas is talking about in here. Um, but you can always uh, jump in the mailbag. Like I said, there's a link in the description of every episode, or on baseballtogether.com. There's a link in the navigation. Brig, you want to re- remind them about just a couple weeks left of the shop. Actually, it's like a week, a couple days. Yeah, we have one week, one week left on the shop. Uh, if you want to jump in there and grab something, this is your chance. Uh, because everything's getting totally reformed. So it's going to be in a new place under a new situation. So anyway, jump in there and grab yourself something nice at 9plusus.com. That's N-I-N-E-P-L-U-S-U-S.com, 9plusus.com. And don't forget that. So there are two other ways you can support the podcast and what we're doing here on the show. You can go to Chinook Seedery, the best seeds ever. They really, I mean, we tell you all the time, but they're the best seeds ever. That's at ChinookSeedery.com. You can use code BTPOD for 10% off your order, whether you want to get samples or you found a flavor that you love like oh, I do. By Palm the way, pep. Uh, the lemon pep, holy cow. Oh, I got to try that one. I got a bunch for myself for Christmas, and they are fantastic. Yeah, Brad tried the new lemon pepper flavor. And they, I think there's even a new flavor uh, that they just barely released. It's a sea salt and something, but uh, I'm really excited. Sea salt and vinegar, I think is what it is. Yeah, vinegar, yeah. So I'm excited to try that one as well. I've yet to. But that's mm-hmm. at uh, ChinookCedary.com, code BTPOD, 10% off. And then don't forget, you can also jump on Patreon. We have levels of support, tiers of support, $1 up to 10 or up to $15. And those come with their own perks and benefits for being a monthly subscriber, donor, patron, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we call that group of people <laughs> our rooters. And they are fantastic. We love them. We thank you for your support in that. And we look forward to seeing you there as well. Yeah, for sure. And last thing, uh, we actually have a new way to support. If you uh, if you don't get to get on the shop, if you want to buy yourself some clothes for spring training, head over to Fanatics. There's a link in the description. Follow that link. And you will support the show by giving us a little bit 
Fanatics will give us a little bit of every purchase there. And heck, if you want to buy yourself a Super Bowl shirt, just go through the link and you can support us by supporting yourself. But baseball thank family, you. thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate all your support and we will catch you next week. Thank you.